Now, we all know that Martin can metabolise a pint in five minutes, but I bet even he wouldn't turn his nose up at getting free beer delivered to his door. Yes, our friends at Beer 52 are offering our listeners a free case of eight unique craft beers. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF and cover the postage of $5.95. Beer 52 is the world's largest beer club. Even Big Mandy is welcome, but not Colin. He's an utter bozo. Each month, members are sent a crate of beer with different themes. Don't like dark beer? Then choose the light option. Comes with a magazine and two snacks, BLT and crumpets not included. Don't be a cockwomble. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF to get this amazing offer. That's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF. The following podcast contains strong language, like, what the actual fuck? I'm Martin McClue. What the actual fuck? Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hey, what the actual fuckers, and welcome to WTF of This Country Podcast. Now, it's a lockdown episode, and it's um, it's our first recap episode of Series 3, and I'm here live via satellite with the one and only Neil. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> it's shocking, isn't it? You try and... It's, it's, we were saying before we started, wasn't it? It's like, oh, the simple times of you just coming in, having mm. a hug, and then just sitting down, pressing record, and away we go. I know. Now it's trying to work out all these different ways of doing things. Um, and that was just doing normal podcasts. Now we're doing mm. it, but we're trying to do a recap episode where we've got, I mean, there's, uh, luckily, there's one, two, three, four, there's only five little audio clips we've got. But, Oh my god, it's a fucking nightmare trying to work it all. <laughs> Just look at it that you're broadening your horizons. You're broadening your mind. More strength to the bow. Let's broaden our minds. Indeed. So as I said in the uh uh in the intro there, that we are going to do series three, episode one, broadcast on the seventeenth of february twenty twenty. That infamous ages ago now. That is everything seems it's it's pre and post COVID, isn't it? That's Mm -hmm. what it is now. It's like the times before the dreaded Lurgy and the times after. And like you say, this feels it was seventeenth of February twenty twenty. Um a letter from Slugs. Wonderful. So, you know, we will go through the episode. Uh, as best we can, and then at the end I will go through some of the comments from uh, some of the WTFers. Brilliant. Let's um, just say I was going to say. Obviously, we got to preview this episode um, at the BBC previews, which they held in well, London and Sirencester. We went to the yeah. Sirencester one, 
So this was our first taste of Series 3, obviously like everyone, but seeing it before everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and it was probably, to my mind, it was the episode that I was most intrigued at seeing to begin with because of obviously the death of Michael, which was, and how they handled everything like yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that was, I think that was the question that, as we will see, it was answered within the first mm. two, three minutes of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, everybody, are you all sitting comfortably? Uh, here we go. Um, as we usually do, we usually have scenes of some agricultural kind uh, yeah. with some text. And the text, I will read it for the first episode. I won't go over it every other episode. But this is what it said. Over the last three years, this country has documented life in a typical Cotswold village with society increasingly divided. The BBC returned once more to explore the unique challenges facing this rural community. So we, we, now we get a few shots and we see um, a few shots of the village. Now, I'm going to have to check this particular one. Uh, Connor Gilmore yeah. said... Something that I really love is how the first few establishing shots of where we first saw slugs and the site of his infamous run. Uh, I just think that's a fantastic touch. I never noticed that. Nor did I. Nor did, nor did I, sorry. But the first couple of shots are um, the part of um, Kerry's Street where we see slugs walking down and they go, oh, fuck it, slugs, in the yeah. very first episode. And that you've done that run. That, I have. I, that, I that run down that street. So I went to road. Well done, Connor <laughs> Gilmore, for for noticing that. Mm. As I never noticed that, but that's the first couple of shots. If I if Connor had told us that before, when we had either Tom or um, Simon here, I would love to know if that was intentional. Surely would, it's got. I would to assume it. it was. I would assume yeah. it was. Okay. Um, so we see a picture of Kerry, a teddy bear, and slugs which was very sweet. Mm. Uh, Reverend Seaton explains that he has some very bad news and that Michael Slugget Slugs had passed away after a long battle with his health. Um, now, we just said that the effect that it had on the show, we know uh, from what Daisy said that, that filming this particular episode and the first couple of scenes that you see were particularly hard for both of them, well, for everybody, obviously, yeah. but I think especially for Daisy and Charlie. It must have been, mustn't it? You can see it. You can see it in their faces in this episode, can't you? But I do think they did really well in keeping that in check. I can imagine as soon as they said cut, there were tears from everybody mm. with every scene, pretty much, I would have thought. Um, yeah, absolutely. But I just put it as a sombre start to the series. But I think it's also, I don't know for you, but for me, it definitely, it felt with... Reverend Seaton's bit when he's giving us the information, um, it almost and draw a line under it, saying that's that's the somber bit. Now it's okay for us to laugh. Absolutely, and um, Reverend Seaton is the man that you wanted to tell us the somber bit at the beginning as well, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Well, he's the heart. He is the heart and heart beating heart of the show. I think, especially so this, true. Absolutely, especially this series. I think absolutely. Okay, so Kerry and Curtin chat about how it was sad. Um, that they thought that uh, this has got to be it now, surely. Um, but yeah, the second win, then a third win, then a fourth win, and then lost count of how many wins. And he was on his 26th win. 
Um, that did make me laugh. <laughs> and his last words were, do you fancy doing a zombie escape room in Swindon on Saturday? Now, I could imagine that with Daisy, that could have been Michael's last words to Daisy in real life. Uh, probably. You know, I mean, because with the fact... That, all that sort of yeah, stuff. But he me? was, you know, he was a guy that spent a lot of his life ill. Mm. Um, and Which it, I didn't realise quite how ill until we went to his memorial. No, no. So, yeah. But then that's also a mark of the guy in the fact that he didn't complain when he wasn't feeling right. The only time I heard him complain was the, was it the second or third live WTAF show we did. When he yes. said that his legs were feeling, he, he, you know, his, his legs had been bad. His legs had ballooned, hadn't they? Yeah, yeah. And you could tell that he was really under, in, in some discomfort, but he mm. never sort of went, I can't make it. You know, it was, it was just get up there and, and let's entertain everybody. Absolutely. And he, he put on a blinder, didn't he? Because obviously he at that show, we spoke about his book and everything like that. Indeed. So, yeah, I'll bless him. Bless no, Kerry, Kerry Curtin carry on and say that he passed away on the Friday. Sort of a relief in a way, bless him. Um, and I think as we said, I think I might have said at the football match, was that, and then we, I think when we saw the very first showing at the, the BBC showing, we said to, to Charlie after the, the, the showing that it was interesting because Daisy and Charlie's relationship with Michael is completely different to Kerry and Curtin's relationship with Slugs. Because as much as, as we find out later on in this episode that Slugs thinks of Curtin as his best mate, don't think that was the same the other way around. No. You know, especially when you look at the fact they see him in the very first episode and go, oh, fucking hell, it's Slugs, you know. They don't want to go laser quest with him. They, you know, they don't really want anything to do with him. And nobody seems to... Every time someone says, oh, well, let's call Slugs around, the other one goes, no, God, no, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> Never get rid of him. Yeah, and then and then the bit that really I think got me, but I think was pitched absolutely perfect, is when Kerry says, "It's weird that I didn't think I'd miss him, but I really, I, mean, I actually really miss him," and that was straight from the heart. That was, I that think, was. that you know, and 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 that to me then is that whole bit, that whole question of how they're going to deal with slugs. That whole bit then is lifted, very gently and purposefully moved to the side. You know, and now we can get to what the actual episode is about. Yeah, like it, it moves on with the plot, doesn't it? Yeah, because it's, it's just perfectly done. I don't yeah, think you could yeah. you could criticize them in any way. It wasn't too long. It didn't go on too long. Um, it didn't. It, it wasn't. I don't. I don't think personally it was schmaltzy or. You know, if it was an American sitcom, everyone would be going ah. Mm. There, there wasn't a moment like that as such. It was done with the same, the right amount of ah, uh, and their sort of cut in comedy that they have. Yeah, it must have been. I mean, we spoke about it, didn't we? But it, it must still thinking about it now be one of the hardest things probably to have written. I think but so. How how you even start of where you start on a on a on something like that and addressing it? But like you said, they did it perfectly, absolutely perfectly. Yeah. So we go to back. Uh, we go back to a day-to-day life, and we see Kerry and Curtin's situation. Curtin is at the window, and uh, we see that Kerry and well, Griff is picking Kerry up. And uh, it's always it looks to me, it just feels like Curtin is now the wife. Yeah, Kerry is the husband going off, and I mean Curtin doesn't even live there, yet he's there 
getting ready, preparing meals. But it's like he is her guide ropes. He is a on a bowling alley. He's a guy. What do they call him on the on the side? Um, safety barriers. Safety barriers to make sure that she stays on this narrow path. That she stays in the job because obviously he owes her. That she owes him money. Yeah, but it, it, always within situations like this, when you look at Curtin, it's the same when he was at the bowls club, it's, and it's the same here. Doesn't he ever put 100% into what he does? He does, absolutely. Really does. When he's and given he, that little bit of responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. I agree. Um, even gives her a packed lunch, which I thought was very sweet. Yeah. So then, then it goes from them being husband and wife to being parent and child. So he's making yeah. sure you got your packed lunch. Okay. Uh, and then the Reverend informs us that Kerry has got herself a nice job uh, and that's helped her through this difficult time. But we also find out that the job isn't basically her choice. Uh, but we see her in her high vision and shades and working at the recycling centre. A very familiar recycling centre. A very familiar recycling centre. Now, I do feel that I've got actually got the wrong clip. Oh, that's a good start. <laughs> oh, no. I knew it. I've got the same clip loaded twice. Right, hang on a sec. That's all right. <clears throat> yeah, it's, a recy- it's our local recycling centre. It is. So, which is, <laughs> always makes me chuckle when I see it. Because you do actually recognise some of the guys that are there. I've seen them up there myself. Obviously not Griff and uh, the manager, because that's an actor playing a manager. That's right. Um, but yeah, some of the guys, and uh, obviously we'll talk about it in a minute, what she's named them. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if those names have now stuck. <laughs> Right. Yeah, so so we, we get to find out that uh, obviously she is at the recycling centre. And uh, right, let's see if this uh, clip actually works. Welcome to the recycling centre. You've got your metals, your cardboard, your green waste, uh, your household batteries, light bulbs, fluorescent tubes. Over here, welcome to my world of textiles. We've got curtains, clothing, shoes, bed linen. There we've got Simple John there. Uh, we've got Trigger over here. He's always on Greenway, ain't you, Triggs? We call him a white man's Dennis Rodman. Take a look at his face. Trigger, into the camera. White Dennis Rodman or what? That's uncanny, that. <laughs> white man's Dennis Rodman. And, and as, we, as we record this, so we're recording this on a Wednesday, Friday, I've got my slot books to go to that Recycling and centre. Oh, have you? I have. Yeah, we've got loads of stuff that we've been building up since the start of the lockdown. So you need to, you need to, um, if you see any of the guys, you know, like Simple John or Trigger, yeah, call them by that name. Well, I, I did, I did see one of them, not not Simple John or Trigger, but one of the other guys, because I went, I think, I think it was the Sunday or Saturday before lockdown. I managed to get in there just before lockdown happened. Um, and did say to him, guys, weird, you know, because I'm a big this country fan. And I saw one of them and I didn't really get a chance to chat because it was obviously getting very busy. Um, but yeah, there's some there's some great uh, little and it's weird that they didn't get they got the actual people that work there rather than getting extras just to stand around or stuff. I thought it was really, really cool that they did that. Mm. No, so, it is very good. So the, uh, there's a couple of nice little um 
sort of sayings. One, two, three, and commence was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought rivaled up there with and watch again. I thought that was quite a nice one. And into the crusher was another good one. It's another T-shirt there. And uh, it, there's two T-shirts there, isn't there? There is, yeah. <laughs> so we find out that Kerry's work was actually forced upon her. And uh, Curtin tells us that Kerry has got herself into loads of debt. And uh, he bailed her out by using the money that Curtin, Curtin's nan lent him to invest in Bitcoin. Now, I had a little yeah. look and saw that, because I, I mean, Bitcoin's been around for I don't know how long. Oh, oh wow, a few years now. Yeah, but it's it? one of those things that cost like just pounds to start with, doesn't it? And mm. I had a look as the time when I was looking at this research. One Bitcoin now equals £5,110.53. Bloody hell. That's for one Bitcoin. So mm. I, I don't know what Kerry, uh, what Curtin, how much he had to get a Bitcoin. But Or no, he was just saving for a Bitcoin, wasn't yeah. he? Bitcoin investment, so he's probably saving up for one. Well, but Curtin's nan, he said that his nan lent him some money to invest in Bitcoin. Yeah. So would, he have, would she have lent him enough to get one Bitcoin? I don't know. I mean, we're, I know obviously yeah, I mean, we're getting into the, the weeds <laughs> of it all. Uh, but it does, Let us it, know on a, on a postcard. Yeah, but it does <laughs> ask a question later on um, when we get to it, which I'll, you know, when we get to it, I'll, I'll, I'll say. But uh, I did put on there, how much money did Curtin have? And how much money did he give Kerry? Because in the end, it, would have ha- it couldn't have been that much. I'll go through it now anyway. It, it couldn't have been that much because with Kerry's last wage packet, he pays her, she pays him back for the Bitcoin money and also a broken bed. Mm. And I, if she's only just started at the recycling centre, it's not going to be loads of money, is it? Or maybe his, his nan gave him the money in preparation to buy, so he needed to save. It right, was the start of his investment to save. Maybe, yeah. But the way that Curtin talks about his nan, even when he's like not no, he's on, he's outside Kerry's house mm-hmm. talking about it. He, every time he mentions his nan, he look, keeps looking behind his shoulder. He's like he's shit scared of his nan for some reason. It's interesting to find out what that relationship is like. Yeah, and why he is, and he uh, he's constantly looking over his shoulder. Whenever he mentions, it, oh yeah, well, Nan lent me that money for Bitcoin. I need to have it back sharpish. Um, so then we find out that Kerry saw a gap in the pillow stuffing market, and I put, is there even a market for pillow stuffing? I don't know. <laughs> as our as our um, resident pillow stuffing expert, is there hey. a big market for pillow stuffing? Only if it's feather, a duck feather. Ah, <laughs> uh, so it's not if not if it's alpaca then. No, alpaca's no good, too woolly, doesn't nice. hold its shape. You have right. to have a feather pillow. So, of course, if she invested in quail and you had a quail feather pillow, well, well you'd be making a mint. Making a mint. Uh, but she bought an alpaca off of Gumtree for £500. I did actually have a look on Gumtree to see if you could buy it. I couldn't see any alpacas on there. She must have had the, <laughs> last, she must have had the last one. I mean, imagine um, just rocking at home with an alpaca. Yeah. I mean, they're going to need a field. Yeah, but I did find a stuffed alpaca for 550 quid. Oh, what, a real... No, stuff? no, 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 as in like a cuddly toy, not... 550 quid for a cuddly toy? 550 quid for a stuffed alpaca toy. Jeez. So she actually got a bargain if she got a real live alpaca for 550 yeah. 500 quid. That so, stuffed alpaca you'd want to be able to sit on. 
and you know and jolly about on it. It must it'd have to be big to be five hundred and fifty quid. Somebody's having a laugh somewhere. Somebody's having a laugh somewhere. <laughs> this is the hill that Neil's going to die on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Kerry says that of all the mistakes that she's made in her life, this was the largest, um, and also physically the largest. A five hundred pound alpaca, probably in weight as well. They're quite hefty. She does alpacas. some. She loves her hairbrain schemes, doesn't it? It goes back to when she sold her birthday. Yeah. When she invested in the vitality. Yeah, when she started her um looking after people's pets. Yeah, she had the dream of having, like we said, quail's eggs. Um, yeah, I mean Yeah, she's not got a good record. She'd be shit on no. Dragon's Den. <laughs> <laughs> so we head we head back to the tip and we get a tour from Kerry, so that's the bit that you just saw. Yeah. The Simple John Trigger, uh, also known as White Man's Dennis Rodman. They all work Only thing is, he really does. <laughs> he does. I, and I know this is going away from this a little bit, but have you watched that The Last Dance yet? No, not yet. On no. Netflix. Really good. Mm. Yeah, really, really good. Really good. Um, but then, like I say, I digress. Back at uh, Kerry's house, Curtin is the proper little housewife, cooking, cleaning, and ulterior motive is getting his money back as soon as possible. Uh, also, he knows HMS Lardas won't be doing it, which is what he says. And uh, this is where we get probably one of the lines of the series, maybe even the whole show. Uh, we got this. Shit, that reminds me. Sir? Yeah. Do you need turning over? Anyone more? There's no doubles after the stairs. <laughs> All right, give me a sec. All right. <laughs> it's a great line but that is to me that is like quintessential this country yeah you know it is a completely ridiculous thing that is done so straight laced and so matter of fact that he's probably done that hundreds of times for her or it's, it has, the, it's the mental image of how does it i mean how does he get is it a metal snow shovel is it one of the plastic ones I don't know. Because if it was a metal one, that would pinch. I would imagine it would pinch with a plastic one. Or would you go under the sheet and uh, roller? Yeah. We have to we have to sort of work out how big Sue really is. I think I I always look at the fact that it's like she's almost like literally welded to the bed sheets. Mm. The bed sheets are part of her, so it would have to go under the bed sheets. I always think of her. Have you ever seen the film What's Eating Gilbert Grape? Yes, yeah. And the mother in the that. mother, yeah, yeah. 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 I think it's it's one of those ones that if she decided she wanted to leave the house, they'd have to take out the whole side of the house. Yeah. So she <laughs> so she can get out. She washes herself with a rag <laughs> on, on a stick. stick. <laughs> uh yeah. So we see some scenes of fields and the village, and then Kerry comes home from work. Curtin's ready with a meal for the weary worker. Uh, he is over-talkative, the way someone is when they don't want to piss someone off. Mm. You know, you sort of go, you okay? Are you feeling? You all right? Yeah, you good? Yeah. So he gets very talkative, and we almost get a commentary of the uh, bangers and mash. One sausage, two sausage, three sausage, four sausage, and the tin of peas, 25p a tin. 
25p a tin. But Kerry is not interested. She just wants that food in front of her. And she does probably the least amount of moving as she can. And uh, don't she, I think she gets like a cushion on her so that she can have the plate as close to her mouth as possible <laughs> as well. Um, and then Kerry gives, her, gives him a foot spa, which I thought was quite nice. Mm. And he's over the moon. And uh, <laughs> the thing that made me laugh is I don't know whether or not he is genuinely over the moon or it's still that thing of, I don't want to piss her off. I've got to make her feel good so that she keeps going to work. I think he's genuinely over the moon because especially when he says um, barely used. And, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I think he's genuinely over the moon. That's very much a, one of those old, I would say, 1990s wedding presents. Right. <laughs> and here's a question. I asked my wife this last week, I think. When I was younger, and this might be before foot spas, obviously, but my mum used to get the washing up bowl and put hot water in it and some bubble bath and soak her feet. Yeah. Do people still do that these days? Not as much, I don't believe, but apparently it's very good for your feet to soak them. Right, so, because it was something that would be like a, a treat that you mm. would soak your feet in, like, the in the washing up bowl. Yeah, well, I can always remember my, well, I suppose my mum did it. But we actually got a foot spa, so I, that would have been in the late 80s. Ooh, Mr. Foot Spa. You literally just had bubbles in a washing up bowl. It didn't really do a lot. You might as well just kept, you know. Uh, one of those it's a bit like those teas makers in the, on the side of your bed from those sort of made. Gifts. oh my yeah. god yeah just people sort of had them but never used them the fondue set that collects dust underneath the wall underneath the cupboard that sort of thing that's crazy yeah the teas made but teas made so the tea how did the teas made work it would brew you'd set it to time to brew up a pot of tea <laughs> yeah but it would just boil water that's all it would do no i think you made tea didn't it i think you had to put the tea bag in and the water and all that it might have even been loose tea from that time ago loose tea isn't he a okay. rapper <laughs> i think he might be <laughs> so kerry is loving her job at the tip uh the hubbub of it all is what she says uh, mm. even wasps buzzing around the bottle bank and we get introduced to Paul, the boss, and Kerry's new best mate, Griff, one and only Gareth Williams. Now, if you oh. want to hear all about his story, then uh, check out the podcast that we had where we spoke to him a few episodes back. And Griff's give, Griff gives us a demonstration led by Kerry with a one-metre piece of tinsel, which I think is wonderful because Griff is yeah. trying to model it. Um, <laughs> and Kerry just says, come on, Griff, you're better than that. Go on, there's no need for that. Uh, then we realise that Kerry is the boss of Griff uh, and sits at the tip bossing Griff and while reading with her sunglasses on, he's the brain, uh, sorry, he's the brawn and she's the brain. And it's, it's bit. He's great at picking his stuff up, chucking it in a container. I'm great at telling him to pick the stuff up and chuck it in the container. And maybe in the olden times, we would have been in some sort of travelling freak show. Um, him being the sideshow, me being the bloke in the top hat getting the money, making sure he's watered, fed, but he, I take down the curtain and he does his job for a few hours, gets the punters in. But it works. It really works. 
<laughs> yes. And the thing is with, with Griff on this is that he is not a man of many words. No. But it comes over perfectly, doesn't it? He's just, I think the same as we've said is every village has got a big Mandy. Mm. Most works where it's like manual works has got somebody like Griff. Somebody that's yeah. the, the big guy, doesn't say much, but he's one of those guys that when he's got a day off, you miss him. Yeah. Because if you need some heavy lugging about, that's ah, shit, he's not in today. We need to, <laughs> I'll have to wait till tomorrow and get him to lug it off tomorrow. <laughs> it's, that's, that's one of the good ones. One of the yeah, good ones. Right. So Kerry back in the kitchen. Sorry, Curtin back in the kitchen preparing tea for Curtin. Oh my God. Curtin preparing tea for Kerry for the following day with his steak, chips, and mushroom and peppercorn sauce. And uh, Kerry picked the recipe by leaving a hairy biker's cookbook on the uh, thing with steak and mushroom peppercorn sauce. Oh, it sounds good though, doesn't it? It does. Although he he was chopping the mushrooms up with the stupidest little knife that you've ever seen i know it's very delicate the way he was doing it wasn't it very delicate he's not going to get any um prizes on master chef for that kind of uh you know with the old can you do that can you do the proper chopping no I, i've had a go but yeah i know how to do it but i'm not practiced enough yeah i think you need to have a, and a good knife you mm. need a good knife yeah it's when they do it with the big choppers yeah know? yeah yeah oh, uh, that makes me scared I'm <laughs> So we see Kaylee for the first time as the door goes. So the lovely Celeste Dring. Yeah. Uh, she has her usual chatty self and has a letter for Curtin from Slugs. Now, I noticed in this bit, is Curtin flirting, do you think? Because he's saying, oh, I, something reminded me of you, little Harvest Mouse on a magazine. I don't know whether that's his oh, idea yeah, of flirting. Yeah. I never really sort of took much notice of it, really. But yeah, no. now you say it. I suppose there is an element of flirtation. Because Curtin seems to always be, when Slugs was alive, probably he was the sort of guy that always wanted what Slugs had. Yeah. Wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? No, I agree, yeah. Yeah, so, yes, I suppose they would. Now you've come to mention it. So, because, well, I'll tell you what I thought in a second, but when you saw that Slugs had sent Curtin a letter, what did you originally think was in that letter? I thought it was going to be something about Kaylee, actually. Oh, was it? One of the times, yeah, maybe. But I really wasn't sure. You know, I'm trying to think what my first thought was. That would have been at the preview screen there. Hmm. The thing is, to know what it was, really. When he opens up the letter originally, he he sort of goes, oh, my God. And he pulls out the picture Hmm. of all the guys going on their holiday. My first thought was, oh, my God, Slugs was like a secret millionaire. And he's given Curtin like a stupid sum of money in a in a check, and then the rest of the series is going to be like them trying to work out how to spend this money. That's <laughs> what I genuinely thought it was from the start, but obviously it isn't. It's uh, first of all a picture of all the lads. Uh, we sort of see Darren Lacey. Curtin yeah. reads a letter, all about Newquay, two thousand and seven, and Bedgate, and it wasn't Curtin. It was Slugs and Kerry. Curtin is angry and upset and stops chopping the mushrooms. So how old do you think they were in 2007? Oh, oh my, well, So Because we see them as about 2000, don't we, on the home video footage, which is in a, a further on episode that we'll be discussing. Yeah, but then that makes no sense then, does it? Because in 2000, what do they look? They look about... Eight. Eight, nine. Eight. Yeah. 
So in 2007, they are at the most 16, 16 17. So they could be at first trip. They wouldn't, but they wouldn't have been able to go and stay in a place on their own. Well, people do. I've known of kids of 16 gone and stayed down in Newquay. They, they, because Newquay actually called a few years ago for the stop to this. The really? people were finishing secondary school and all piling down to Newquay. Oh, right. Underage. So, yeah, well, maybe, that, maybe that's relevant then. I stand corrected, mm. said the man in the orthopedic shoes. Which would put them in their late 20s now, wouldn't it? It would do, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Kerry is at the tip showing stuff that people throw away that is still good. She's grabbing stuff and putting it in a box. Uh, she finds a golf clock for the vicar that shapes four, which oh. I thought was very nice. Uh, puts a box in the back of Griff's car. Let me get a shot of a cat, which I thought was very nice. Very nice. So Griff and uh, Kerry come home from work, curtain waiting, furious and dumbfounded. All he needed literally was rollers in his hair and a rolling pin. <laughs> and it had been some added, like a 70s postcard. Wouldn't it? And a, nine, and a 90. That's what he yeah. needed. <laughs> uh, when Kerry asked Curtin to put, plate some food up for Griff, he just looks at the camera, shakes his head in disbelief. Uh, and then Curtin informs Kerry that that's actually no dinner for anybody. It's in the bin as he doesn't cook for two-faced nasty little liars. He doesn't half lose his temper quick, doesn't he? He Curtin? does. Yeah, but then again, you don't know how long he's been... Stewing. Stewing, mm. you know, because he was preparing a meal, so it's probably going to be at least an hour. At least. Um, yeah, that's true. So he gives Kerry the letter from Slugs. Now, I don't know if it was you, and I know that we've said that things like um, anything sexual is something that's way over Kerry's head. I genuinely, when she started talking about it, when she was saying that we were bored and we were alone in the caravan, I thought, oh, my God, she's going to say that she had sex with, uh, with slugs. Oh, did you? That's what I genuinely thought. Oh, and, I thought I well, and then for that split second, then I thought, well, that's ridiculous. Because she's not made any moves in any of the time we've spent with her to have any kind of... The only nearest thing is the fact that she's got loads of photographs of Kane Dingle under her bed. That's the only yeah, that's thing you've seen of, mm. of her fancying someone or any of going down that kind of route. So, um, yeah, so that, that it did sweat, sort of go away very, very quickly for me. Mm. Um, but I don't know. Did you have any feelings of what you thought it was? or you just? I, mean, I actually, when I first heard it at the preview, I thought it was where they'd made it look like Curtin had wet the bed. Right, so okay. That's what I was thinking they were going down that route. But right. I knew it was okay. going to be some sort of prank because learning from other series and other episodes of this country, you know that the minest, minutest little, uh, something that's gone wrong is blown out of all proportion because yeah. they've got nothing else in their lives. Yes, yeah, that's right. So the idea was that they, they created some kind of assault course all the way through the chalet or apartment or whatever it is they were in. Um, and it was Slug's idea. Was it a caravan? <laughs> Slug's idea to create a Takashi's castle so uh, in his bedroom so uh, in the end it was an innocent incident as such compared to what I had in my yeah. dirty dirty mind uh, they jumped on the bed and snapped it in two 
They said nothing, and then when Curtin got in the bed and it broke, they all ran in and blamed Curtin for the broken bed. And uh, she says they had no choice. They had to throw the scent off, and they weren't proud of it. But they've... So, say this is in 2020. Say they've been holding that secret for 13 years. Yep. Yep. Curtin had had to cut his holiday short as he had no money left. He spent the rest of the summer in a sausage factory with no air conditioning, paying for a bed he didn't even break. Now, when they say that, it almost sounds like he was there, left down in Newquay working in a sausage factory. And I was, yeah, because I was also thinking, there aren't any sausage factories around here, is there? Um, There are. There's the old Gloucester company, wherever they're based. Oh, right. People, yeah. The sausage people. Sausage people. You the know Gloucester the... sausage people. <laughs> that famous tribe. Yeah. And but then uh, Kerry is sort of like just very blase about it and like, you know, well, what's done is done. You can't hang on to the past. And Curtin storms out before uh, after saying you're a disgrace. And then Kerry just looks at Griff and goes, Sorry if you felt awkward. And Griff's just sort of like nods in agreement. And Griff's the one that's pissed off. He's probably excited that he was going to have a steak dinner tonight. Yeah. And now he's got fuck all. And it's nothing to do with him. It was no fault of his own. <laughs> what does he do now? He probably oh. didn't bother going to the shop in the morning because Perry said, don't worry. You can come and have tea at ours. He's got nothing in. He'll go back to his little caravan that he lives in. He'll he'll to, when he goes back, he'll have to stop at the kebab shop on the way. You reckon? There is one in North Leach, so is there? Okay. So there you go. So we get a Kerry talking head that says uh, Curtin never lets anything go, and she prefers Griff because he's low maintenance emotionally. He's a simple beast, and uh, Curtin still hasn't let go the Tesco horse meat thing um, <laughs> because they never apologised over it. Can you remember that the Tesco I horse do meat thing? That well. as, as you work for a um, a competitor. Was that a big thing on the shop floor? Um, people were talking about it, yeah. Um, Findus, do you remember Findus? They did, was it one of the crispy pancakes, wasn't it, as well? Is that what it was? Um, so everywhere stopped selling them for a bit. Uh, or was right. it their lasagna? Findus was, yeah. And then it was Tesco owned something. Something in um, one of the other supermarket Waitrose's burgers. It was all Ooh. to do with the factory, wasn't it, that was doing the meat? With importing cheap meat that had horse in. Wasn't Gloucester Sausage Factory, was it? No, that's pure old Gloucester spot sausage. Nice, nice. So we get a talking head from Kurt and saying that uh, Kerry is a backstabbing user who will chew you up and spit you out. Only loyalty, loyalty is to herself, staffies, and TV channel Dave. <laughs> TV channel made by... Sorry? TV channel made by... Um... Oh, what was it they say? Hang on. No, go on, fill me in. You are the ultimate this country champion. How dare you not know that? When I that was also... T- I haven't turned my pages. That was also one of the bloody questions on the ultimate quiz. It was. Made by Knuckle Draggers for Knuckle, for Knuckle Draggers. Draggers. There you go. And apologies if you're... I was on you're... the wrong page. Ah, right. Notes, sorry. Apologies if you're listening to this before you've listened to the ultimate this country uh, podcast quiz, but Neil won. And may I just say, this is the first podcast that we've recorded since we recorded that one. I know that we're doing a lot of them out of order, but uh, 
I would just like to say congratulations, Neil. You Thank surprised you me. You surprised it, I me. I surprised that myself. Night. It was very close, though, wasn't it? It was only two points, but well done. And like I say, we've no sport for people that haven't listened to it. But <laughs> Uh, curtains with the vicar bending his ear about Kerry. The vicar once again trying to be the voice of reason, mentioning Jesus, just gets a big sigh from Curtain. Jesus would turn the other cheek, and uh, Curtain says um, he would be wreaking havoc on Kerry if he was in his position. <laughs> then they go on to the Hindu religion, saying karma, the universe will right itself, and uh, Curtain is just wants to know how long it will take, and. Uh, Again, the vicar trying to be very, very calm. You are bigger than this. You don't have to worry about something that happened 12 years ago. Mm. So they're saying 2019, aren't they, really? Yeah. Um, And that's true. But has the message got through? It feels like the message has got through. Um, But obviously we realise that the message hasn't particularly got through. We get some more text where it says, in Britain, the number of people identifying as religious continues to fall particularly amongst the young. Despite this trend, the church still plays an important role in many villages through initiatives as diverse as food banks and support groups for carers. Which Which I suppose they do. I know the churches do a lot about food banks, so yeah, I suppose they do play an important role. They do. Uh, Curtin is stewing now as he bounces a tennis tennis ball against the bedroom wall like Steve McQueen in The Great Escape. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, you can see that it's festering in his mind and he just says, ah, fuck this. And he puts his jacket on and you know that he's going to cause some kind of havoc. Curtin goes out. He can't wait around for karma to do its business. He needs results now and he can't move on till he seeks revenge. The curtain calls Kerry's manager and Dobbs are in. Now, when I was writing those notes and I put Dobbs are in, Mm. is that a regional saying, or is that something that know, would be, be would Dobbs are in? I really don't know. I, I just natu- I naturally put it. Is that is he he phoned her up and what would be the what would be the old English way of saying that? Grassed her up. That Grasped sounds like that's more of a one, Cockney. Yeah. That's a gangster Split kind on of her. way. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, so I, I would assume Dobbs is universal, isn't it? it just out of interest, email us wtafthiscountry at hotmail.com or leave us a message on our socials if if you don't understand what Dobbs are in means, mm. because it'd be interesting. It's the whole snotty gog um, conversation again. Yeah, well, I'd never heard of that, and I'm only a few just, miles down the road. I know, I know. That's strange. Yeah. yeah. So he says he's not proud of it, but he's a very vindictive person, and it's what makes him him, which is fair enough. So we're back to the tip, and uh, Kerry's having a little chat with all the boys, and uh, Paul, the manager, calls Kerry in for a meeting and says that there's been some serious allegations uh, regarding a phone call that she's been taking stuff from the charity shed. Kerry denies it, blames Griff, and that they should check the boot of Griff's car. Now, I put on here, is is this the nearest that we've seen of Kerry becoming a dad? This is the, I've always thought this, this is the part where she has her father in her, if you know what I mean. You yeah. can see, the, yeah, she's throwing her friend under the bus is exactly what he would have done. There's no morals there. There is, there is no compassion um, or empathy. She's trying there. to save her own hide. She's just she? trying to, by lying. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I completely agree with that. Um, she is relieved as it means Griff can get the help he needs. I think he needs real help. And uh, so then we get uh, this from Curtin. Yes, I did want that money back, but some things are more important than money. You know, people need to pay the price for the bad things they've done or they'll just keep doing them. Bring back the old justice system. That's what I say. And we'll sort out a lot of other problems wrong with this country. Like some of our leading supermarkets putting horse meat in their pies. If that was in France, that would be fine. But we're not in France. We're in the UK, OK? There you go. The UK, OK? UK, OK. So the question I would ask after hearing that outburst, Brexit, did he vote yes or no? What do you reckon? I don't reckon they vote. I genuinely don't see them as political people. They have their opinions, but when it, uh, I think it's beyond them. And I, I would imagine in a lot of rural places, you've, I used to hear it when I was younger, people have no interest. You'd say, you, you Conservative or Labour? What? They used to say, what? So, it just seems to me that he's, a, he's on a very sort of thing, like, you know, this is Britain. It's like, yeah. you know, this is this country, this is Britain. And yeah. it shouldn't happen in this country. And that I just uh, I don't know. I don't know whether he he comes he came out, comes over a little bit there like Britain first. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. He's almost edging towards that. Bring back capital punishment. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's is that. I'm I'm assuming that's what you meant when you said the old justice system. Yeah, exactly what I thought. Like the stocks. Because what other kind of? I mean, the system is the same as it's been for years. Yeah, apart from we haven't got any corporal punishment in there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So yeah, it would be it'd be interesting. But again, as soon as if they start going down a political route, then you're going to lose half your. Mm. Yeah, and to your, be honest, I don't see them as voters. No. I really disillusioned youth. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Kerry says she's got the sack, and so has Griff. And uh, she feels a little bit responsible for that, where obviously she's completely responsible for that. Um, said that Griff has text and wants to go for a pint, but said, what would we talk about? The only thing we had in common was stealing. And <laughs> <laughs> it's more of a thing that she got him into and some friendships just don't last. They could have had a spin-off. It would have been like Bonnie and Clyde, Griff and yeah. Kerry. The Cotswolds, could have been. Bonnie and Clyde, holding up all, all these little local bakeries. It, it could have been. So then we go and Kerry goes and sees Curtin. And uh, to strengthen the point, in the end, it's all this thing about friendship. And I think with, especially with Kerry and Curtin, you can wipe away all the stupidness and all the immaturity and <coughs> vindictiveness and stuff like that. This to me is just their relationship in a nutshell. So let's just have this little bit. As for you. What's this? Uh, the money I owe you for my last wage packet. This is too much. Yeah, it's for uh, to pay sort of like for the bed and new key as well. All right. All right, cheers. All right. You know it was me that got you sacked, don't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Sorry. Just all stunning stuff. You know that decomposing fox? Yeah. Its face just finally caved in, if you want to check it out. Yeah, all right. Just give me a second, I'll get a jacket. <laughs> so there that you go. very much reminds me of my youth. 
Really? Yeah, when we were younger, there was a cow up the field that had died, and the crows had pecked its eyes out. Gruesome. Right. But somebody told us, and said, come on, you've got to come and see. And we all went. But that's the, that's the thing, is that you've got Kerry or Curtin that is like, has just been as vindictive as possible and made her lose a job. But I don't think Kerry's got vindictiveness in her nature. No. Or, or she's maybe, or, or maybe it's, she's not clever enough to be vindictive. So I think it takes some kind of brains to work out how you're going to be vindictive to somebody. Mm. And well, I've just... always thought through all the series that, um, I almost said Charlie, as Curtin is the brains behind the two, what little brains there are, but he is. Yeah, but I think, I think this is where they share their biggest um, character traits with Laurel and Hardy. Mm. I think that both of them think they are clever. Yeah. But they're both as stupid as each other. They've both got as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And they've both got they've both got positive character traits. Mm-hmm. You know, I think K- Kerry is very loyal. You know, as much as she will smack Curtin across the head for no reason, she'll say sorry straight away. Do you know what I mean? Whereas yeah. and, and but Curtin is very vindictive and won't let things lie and wants to get you know, wants to get a, a result and a reaction straight away. But He's I think a this dog with a bone, isn't he? Yeah, but this this that scene that we just listened to is almost their whole relationship in a nutshell. It doesn't matter. She knows that it's Curtin that got her sacked. Mm. So instead of going round and saying, "Well, fuck you," that's it. Now I don't want to be your friend anymore. You know, even though we're family, that's it. She decides to use most of her, or probably the majority of her last wage packet in paying yeah. her back, paying him back. That's right. So there's no vindictive. If she was vindictive, there's no way that she would be giving him a shit ton of money. Yeah. You know, she's. It's almost like she feels right. Well, I did wrong, so I'm going to to pay him back. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful scene. It is funny as well. But then it goes, like you say, from that to the banality, if that's a word, of them just going to have a look at a decomposed fox's face that has caved in. It's another reminder that there is really fuck all to do in the countryside, like they point out. Yeah, and I also think that it 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 shows you that they need each other. Mm. Oh yeah, I, d- I don't think they can survive their life in a village with nothing to do apart they have to do things together even if they get pissed off with each other yeah yeah uh, so then we go and we see Kerry and Curtin throwing a frisbee and Curtin says the thing about friendship is you have to accept each other's flaws no matter how toxic they may be and then we get a final shout out to slugs mm. and uh they said it's shit stirring beyond the grave just as goes to show people don't change even in death Kerry looks up to the sky and says, and claps and says, "Very funny." As it fades, I, I did. I looked at this about ten times, and as it fades, like you can see Kerry or Daisy getting emotional mm. as it sort of fades out. Uh, and then the final card says, "In love and memory of Michael Sleggs, nineteen eighty-five to twenty nineteen," and then the credits. Yeah, so, which is a perfect tribute at the end to him as well. It opens perfectly and closes perfectly. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, so a, a as a, it's not yeah. my favorite episode, but it is a beautiful episode. No, it's not. It's not my favorite episode, and and as as we go on, I've had a few changing thoughts about certain episodes after watching them in like in in 
detail like I do when we're, we're doing this, and, and as, as you will as well. Um, but I think if, if you look at it in regards to as an opening episode for a se- series, for a season, and for what they had to deal with, I think they, they couldn't have done it any better. I honestly yeah, don't think. Us, isn't it? There is some great laughs in there. There's some, there's some show stopping moments, not just serious stopping moments. The whole, you know, turning Sue over, that I think is great. There's some, just some great moments in this episode. There really is. Absolutely. Absolutely. I completely agree. It's, it's, it has the laughter. They, they got the pitch and the mood of it perfectly. Like you said, it must have been one of the, as we, we spoke about earlier, it must have been one of the hardest things to have written, not only written, but also act and yeah. film. It must have been really difficult for them. Making sure everything is right and, yeah. I completely agree. So that's it. That's episode one, series three. And you say we had some correspondence. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I was just about to sign off. Just bear with me. Here we go. So on Facebook, we had Mary Gaffney said, I love two lines in this episode in particular. Welcome to the recycling centre and a good dollop of mash. (laughs) <laughs> yes, he roars, uh, roar laughing every time. And uh, so that was that one. Uh, Stuart Saunders said, Kerry's love of her new job and her new mate Griff, the golfing clock she got for the vicar that says four when it strikes four o'clock. He loves it. Uh, the dump being her John Lewis was a good line. Yeah. And, uh, oh, can we have a little less narration and a bit more serving of the actual food? from Kerry as well, which is a great one. Thank you, Stuart. And uh, so I've done that one. Uh, Helena said, in this episode, I love the little details, like the price of the meal or the random things Kerry brings back from the dump that were fashionable once, but not anymore, but would that would uh, would be to them. Also, love the way they flip between being adults and children. I think that's what we were saying, especially mm. that last scene. Yeah. Kerry being very mature, very adult, very... You know, I'm not going to do what he's done. I'm going to be mature. But then they flip straight away and they're going to go and look at the decomposing fox. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's remarkable how they flip between almost like being responsible and grown up to very, very, very immature. Indeed. And then Liam said, Liam Hill said, definitely at the end of the episode, you know who would be laughing at this right now? Slugs. Uh, That really was a touching moment for me. And it really would have done as well. Thank the Lord for Slugs, a real legend, that man. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think there's no better way to finish than that. Yeah, absolutely. Down. Thank the Lord for Slugs. Thank the Lord for Slugs. So there you go. Series three, episode one, done. And uh, yeah, coming soon will be episode two. Absolutely. absolutely. So do you want to sign off with your bits and pieces, Neil? Yes, indeed. You can find us on all the social media platforms under WTAF This Country. Do come along and follow us on there. You can visit our website, WTAFpodcast.com, for all sorts of gubbins on there and everything we have going on. And you can email us at WTAFThisCountry at Hotmail.com for any questions, any feedback, and if you'd just like to chat to us. Indeed. And you can become a Patreon bozo. Just go to patreon.com forward slash WTAF 
we have three different tiers. Uh, a $1 tier, where we just give you a uh, shout out on the podcast. A $2 tier, where you get all the extra content uh, that's uh, available. And you get the podcast 24 hours before anyone else. And the $5 tier, you get a lovely enamel WTAF badge and all the other gubbins that's there. So patreon.com forward slash WTAF for that. And the final WTAF live show uh, has still been moved. It's moved to September the 18th. Uh, as we record this, we are still still on. We're still going to do it. We are going to recap the very last episode of this country. Uh, we want as many Dump Gang members and this country fans to uh, come along because it's a way for all of us to say goodbye to the show in a proper way all together. Hopefully we'll able to be able to hug by then. Uh, who knows? Uh, but I've, the, we can go onto the website, can't we, to, Neil, to get the tickets? Yeah, yeah tickets are still up there. Yeah, Obviously so your ticket, if you've already bought it from when it was supposed to be in May, is still valid for the second date. And you can still get your tickets online. If you can't, through the website you can get them, or just by visiting the Sundial website itself. Indeed. Uh, so yeah, so that's it. So uh, episode one done, and uh, what a lot of fun that was for us. Marvelous fun. Uh, I think it all worked out. Well, I don't know how it's going to sound. Hopefully, it's recorded. Who knows? We might have to do it all again. <laughs> I have no idea. Wait we for that dreaded know. text message. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's it. So thank you very much, Neil. Thank you very much, Pav. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening and go and get plumbed, you fuckers. Scarecrow Festival is like the most important day of the year. Daft cow. This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck? Hi, I'm Pav. I'm Neil. We're here to tell you about our new exciting project, the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Phenomenal. That's right, Neil. We grab a guest or two, pick a subject, then bring our own Top 10s to the pod. Yes. It could be Top 10 scary movies, Top 10 swear words, Top 10 breakfast foods, anything. Oh, you saucy devil. Indeed, Neil. Our first episode will be online very soon, so subscribe on all your usual podcast platforms so you don't miss it. Yes. The Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's begin the countdown. Phenomenal.